Well, good morning. Welcome to Christ Church of the Valley. Uh, because the Eagles are playing this morning, lean over to the person that's next to you and say, we're going to heaven. We're the spiritual ones. Yes. We're in church. We're in church. I see you. I see Joe. Joe's back there. He's like, touchdown. I, I'm the man. I'm going to heaven. I have a friend who's a pastor in a church in Washington, D.C. Love him. Very, very, very uh, good friend of mine in ministry. Church is roughly the same size, uh, same number of staff. They have the same passion for evangelism. Uh, Every single thing about this church is almost duplicate from us, except one thing. They don't have women on their governing board, and they don't have women as preachers preach and teach in their worship services. How does that happen? Many of you have grown up in churches where what was going on in the service, you never saw a woman leading. You never saw a woman preaching. And so how is it that churches can claim to believe the same Bible and teach the same Bible, but could have radically different opinions the, the, the answer is the Bible or the misinterpretation of the Bible. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 34 says this, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. My friend reads this passage, and he says, listen, I may not like it, I may not even agree with it, but we're going to believe that, we're going to teach that, and that's going to form our opinion on how we go about organizing our church. I'll look at him, and I will quote the words of the great... 20th century theologian, Inigo Montoya, I do not think it means what you think it means. (laughs) Now let me tell you why this matters. Every so often, we have a really sharp young woman here at our church leave our student ministry, and I'll catch wind of it that she wants to be a pastor in a church. Whenever that happens, I always want to know about this. So those of you who have kids and and they want to be, I want to know about it, okay? Because we want to be supportive and how, we want to have their back. So anyway, whenever I catch wind that a young woman wants to go in the ministry and is going to go off to a Christian college and is going to be preparing to do that, I will sit down and have a discussion. And it's a very frank discussion. And let me tell you, the discussion goes something like this. First, I tell her, home run. We think you're going to do an amazing job in ministry. We want you to know that we have your back. Here is my phone number. Here is my cell phone number. You have any questions ever, I want you to know you can call me directly because I want you to know that we're always going to be in your corner. However, I don't know what your plans are, but starting today, you're going to get a dual major. You're not going to graduate with a major in Bible or ministry. You're also going to get a communications degree or a or a psychology degree, or a teaching degree, or something. Because you need to understand that there are a lot of people out there that think you shouldn't be doing what you want to do. You just happen to grow up in a church ever since you were this big, 
watching women teach and lead, there was no distinction. And you think the whole world is like this. And unfortunately, I have to be the bearer of bad news. It's not. In fact, I'll share the story of another friend of mine that says, whenever I see a church that has women in leadership and women preaching, it always turns out to be a weak church that will never reach unchurched men. And I will tell her, whatever you want to do in ministry, you want to be a pastor, you want to be a senior pastor, you want to preach, I believe you can do that. We have your back. You need to work hard. You're going to have to work doubly hard to get the exact same respect, but you need to know we're always going to be in your corner. Now, let me just pause here and say, undoubtedly, there are a few people in the room who are still hung up on the phrase, I told her she could be a senior pastor, like to lead a church. Because in your mind, for some of you, you're like, I don't have a problem with a woman teaching. I don't have a problem being on the governing board. I just have a problem going to church where there's a female senior pastor. And I would like to say that attitude, or more importantly, what caused that attitude that you hold is part of the problem. Because for 2,000 years, Christians have taken 1 Corinthians 14 that I just read and 1 Timothy 2.12, combined it with their own patriarchal attitudes and their own biblical interpretation ignorance, combined it with their preferences for male domination and female submission in the home and in the church, injected that back into the Bible and made the Bible say what it was never meant to say. This has caused women to not use their God-given gifts in the body of Christ. The church has suffered. The impact of the church has suffered. Women have suffered. Christians have looked stupid. And most importantly, God has been dishonored because of these deeply held convictions. We're finishing up today a series, short one, that we're calling Straight Out of Context. We've been looking at biblical passages that are taken out of context, and they're used to say things that the context clearly tells us were never meant to say, and they end up doing more harm than good. My uh, Bible interpretation professor um, said, God has spoken, and he expects to be understood. In other words, we have to do the hard work to study, as it says in 1 Timothy, to show ourselves approved to learn how to interpret the Bible, and we're going to do that today looking at 1 Corinthians 14. So let me go ahead and read that verse slowly, and then we'll talk about what it means in context. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Does anyone, whether you disagree or not, is everyone clear on what that passage is saying? All right. What does the context tell us? If you were here last week, we talked about how the book of 1 Corinthians isn't a book, it's a letter from one of the key first century leaders named the Apostle Paul. He started a church in the Greek town Corinth, and then after about a, almost two years, left and went and started another church someplace else, And that church that he started in this Greek town of Corinth went haywire. It just about imploded, had all kinds of issues. So the leaders there sent Paul a letter with a list of questions. Paul wrote back, 1 Corinthians is his answer to those questions. 
And so the questions were simple. Starting in chapter 7, it says, now for the matters that you wrote about, and the very first question that he answered is, can we get married, and can married people have sex? Paul gets this question written down. He's like, who? What, what are you even, why are you even asking me that question? They, the people that were in the church in Corinth got, got the idea that if they were going to be holy, they couldn't be like the people who were going up to the um, temple prostitutes and having sex. If you were holy, you were going to refrain from sex. And Paul was like, listen, if you're married, have a lot of sex. Enjoy yourselves. In fact, don't hold yourself back. Have as much as you want or need, but you did not get from God this idea of not having sex. Next question was in chapter 8. Can we eat food sacrificed to idols? I answered that last week. If you have not seen that, please go online and watch it. In chapter 10, the Apostle Paul answers probably one of the most pressing questions of our generation. Can men wear skinny jeans? And you know there was an emphatic stop it. Stop with the skinny jeans. Okay, so after he answers these questions, what he does is he goes to the church service itself. He says later on that, well, your church services, honestly, it would be better if you just stopped meeting because when you meet together, your services are doing more harm than good. It is so messed up, your services. It would be better for you not to have services at all. Why? First issue the Apostle Paul pointed out was in uh, chapter 11. And that was there were women in the church standing up and preaching with their heads uncovered. Let me read you this passage. It says, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. What the heck? What are they talking about? To help you understand the context, I'm going to give you a quick quiz, two questions. Are you ready? Here we go. Question number one. Would it ever be appropriate for me to preach with my shirt off? Would it ever? Yes or no? Yes or no? Come on. Is that my face on Chris Pratt's body? Maybe. It might be. Would it be appropriate? If I had those abs, you better believe I'd be preaching with my shirt off. Now, what, 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 what comes to mind when you think about someone taking their shirt off in a church service and preaching, right? Hold on to that. Here's a second question. Would it ever be appropriate for a female pastor at CCV to show cleavage while preaching? Yes or no? Here's a somewhat tasteful 30-year-old picture of the Italian supermodel Sophia Loren. Ready? Ready? Take it down now. Okay, good. All right. Everybody saw it, right? All right. Would it be appropriate for one of our female pastors to wear a low-cut top while they preached? Turn around to the person next to you and what I want you to do, because obviously the answer is no, they shouldn't do that, ever. No, I should never preach without my shirt. No, they should never preach with a low-cut top. What I want you to do is lean over the person. You've got 10 seconds. I want you to find one word that describes why. It would be blank. Go. Really fast. 
Okay, let's hear it over here. Raise your hand. It would be a distraction. It would be a distraction. Over here, it would be what? Disrespectful, I heard over here. Okay, how about over here? It would be inappropriate. How about over here? Are you guys even paying attention? Come on. Come on. Over here to the right. Okay. It would be all of these things. It would be distasteful. I use the phrase, it would be unbecoming. A distraction, inappropriate. But if you're in the first century and you didn't have your head covered, it would be disgraceful. Why? In the first century, they didn't wear tight, inappropriate yoga pants with low-cut tops. They didn't run around uh, on social media taking pictures with their, with their shirt off. They were appropriately covered head to toe, and they had their head covered if they were a woman. The most provocative thing you could do in the first century was to have long hair and take it off and let your long hair flow in the wind as you seduce every man coming by with your follicles of hair, right? And we're like, that's ridiculous. What are you talking about? But in the first century, you didn't see a lot unless you were a prostitute. Then your head was uncovered. And so people would come to church, and they're like, this is no different from the Temple of Apollo. They're, they're prostitutes, have their head uncovered, in this church, the women show up and they're like, we're Christians now. We don't care at all what the culture thinks of us. It's hair. If the hair causes you to lust, wear a mask. It's your problem. It's not, it's just hair. And so they would stand up in the church and preach women without their head covered. Now, it wasn't just that. It gets worse. There was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. For one, people, whenever they celebrated the Lord's Supper, like we're about to do in a few minutes, they would get hammered. We, at our church, um, do not serve real wine with our communion for two very good reasons. Number one, we want to be sensitive to people who are alcoholics. Number two, we're cheap. It's more expensive to buy wine. Let's... Let's just, maybe number two is more important than number, you know, you know what I'm saying, that's just what's what we do. Paul's saying that when they came together in their church services, people were getting hammered. And the following directives, I have no praise for your meetings, do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And when you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper you eat, for when you were eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers, and as a result, one person remains hungry, another gets drunk, and it looks like when they're passing the communion, it looks like this in the church in Corinth. That's what's going on. Paul's like, stop it. This is ridiculous. In fact, he said, people are arguing over who gets to speak. Now, a couple things. Prophecy, you will hear prophecy in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Prophecy is not the predicting of the future, it's speaking before people. Um, prophecy comes from the Greek word pro, which means before, and theme, which means to speak. Paul would say, I have the gift of prophecy, speaking before people. So when he talks about the prophets standing up to speak, all he's saying is preachers or teachers of the Bible. 
The other thing is that he's going to talk in a moment about people who are speaking in tongues. With great respect for those of you who came from uh, Pentecostal churches and charismatic churches where they spoke in tongues. What I believe is going on in the contemporary church is not what was going on in the New Testament. You remember on the, on the first day of the church, Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down and they spoke in tongues and everyone from the Mediterranean world that came to Pentecost in Jerusalem heard the apostles speak in their own language. Didn't matter if they were Hebrew, Italian, Greek, they all heard it because they had the ability to speak in a language that they had never studied before. I would love to have that gift. I would have sailed straight through Spanish 4. I wouldn't have cracked a book once. I have the gift of speaking in tongues. And so what was happening in the church, the church had no more than, let's say, the first eight rows of this section. That's how big the church in Corinth was. This was it was no bigger than 50, 60 people max. They would all fit in a big home. Well, what happened is people, because it was a town on a port, people would travel all over the world, come here into Corinth, find their way into the church, and they spoke another language. Well, they're all speaking Greek. And meanwhile, this guy's a Gaul from France. Turns around, sits down, he doesn't hear anything that's going on. And so this fighting is erupting. I need to stand up and speak in tongues because that guy is here and he doesn't understand Greek. And so they, he would stand up. And another person would stand up. And Paul turned into this brawl of people that were wanting to speak. Women were dressed like prostitutes. People are getting drunk. They're fighting over who is speaking. Paul said, if inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say, you're out of your minds? This is insane. Stop it. In the last verse of the last chapter, in chapter 14, Paul says, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. No more of this stuff. And oh, by the way, women should remain silent in the churches. We got to deal with that one too. Now, we know that Paul didn't mean that women had to be silent because he just spent an entire chapter in chapter 11 talking about how women, when they stand up to prophesy, to speak, their head needs to be covered. So we know it doesn't mean they can't speak in church. So what is he talking about? Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. He knew and encouraged women to stand up and preach. What was he talking about? Well, what does the context say in chapter 14? Listen to the context, and it suddenly will become clear. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together in a service, each of you wants to sing a song, you got a hymn, or you have a word of instruction, and you can't wait to get to church and share it with everybody. You have a revelation, something that God has showed you about the Bible. You have the ability to speak in a language, a tongue that you haven't shared, and there's someone there that needs you. And or an interpretation. But everything must be done so the church may be built up. In other words, we don't want to have a service where nobody gets anything out of it. We want to encourage and build up the church to go out and do what Jesus called us to do. So, if anyone speaks in a tongue, I don't care if there are 50 people there who have the ability to speak in a language that they've never learned before. If anyone speaks in a tongue, 
two or three at the most should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret everybody else, be quiet. No more tongue speakers. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should just keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. So he's telling people who are speaking in tongues, be quiet. Two or three prophets, people who want to preach, and others should weigh in carefully about what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who's sitting down, in other words, I just had this brilliant insight about what God said in his word. The first speaker, go ahead, that person can stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. And the point is, everybody else, be quiet. For God is not a God of disorder of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. And then Paul mentions our verse again. Women should remain silent in the churches. You're probably getting a clear picture about what's going on. Women and men are preaching in the church. Paul wanted, because of the culture and the association with prostitution, for the women to have their heads covered. But women were still talking in the church. Let me give you an example. Maybe this will help you understand what was going on. How many of you have been here at CCV and there was a really powerful moment in the service? And right in the middle of it, as God is just touching your heart with something that our arts team has worked on for months, two people behind you are having a conversation and they won't shut up. Of course, that's never happened here, has it? Of course it has happened. I hear it all the time. You're in the middle of the service and people are having a conversation like they're standing at the line of Wawa. And we can't hear what's going on because people are behind you talking. That is what Paul is addressing with the women in Corinth. Kenneth Bailey is a Bible scholar who spent 40 years teaching the Bible in Middle Eastern cultures like where the church in Corinth was situated. In his masterful commentary on 1 Corinthians, Bailey argues that Americans miss how people in Middle Eastern cultures listen to and process information. And so we read into that passage what was never meant to be read into that passage. Bailey writes, Middle Eastern society is predominantly an oral culture. I experienced this for 17 years in Egypt, 17 years in Syria and Lebanon, and for 10 years in Israel and Palestine. People process information by talking more than by sitting quietly and reflecting. This can be observed at many levels of society. A university professor will have the attention of the class and turn to write something on the blackboard. The moment he or she pauses to write, the entire class breaks out talking. They're not inattentive or rude. They're simply turning to a fellow student and chatting about the subject. This social style is prominent at meetings of women. Taking advantage of any pause, Middle Eastern women will often begin talking out loud, sometimes to themselves. They are simply verbalizing the information they have heard in order to better absorb and retain it. 
And so Bailey simply points out that what the Apostle Paul is saying, that in your church services there must be order. No drinking and getting drunk. If you're going to speak in front of people, you must be moderately dressed, both men and women. There must be order for people who know a language that they've never studied or for their people that are going to be preaching. And also for women, please stop chatting so you can listen to the women and men who are trying to bring you a prophetic word but cannot do so when no one can hear them. And that, my friends, is the meaning of 1 Corinthians 14.34. God has gifted both men and women. If you have the gift of leadership, you lead regardless of gender. If you have the gift of teaching, you teach regardless of gender. The only qualifications are the qualifications that are found in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, that you meet character qualifications in order to bolster the skill. Because you don't want to have the skill and not have the character to be able to pull that off. And so whoever you rub shoulders with that are Christians, and they're telling you that a woman cannot lead or preach, you need to understand that they do not get the context in which those verses occur. Let's pray. God, thank you for the women in our congregation. Thank you for their leadership. Thank you for their teaching. I pray that you would give all of us great humility and boldness as people try to put the women that we love and serve with into cultural boxes and constraints that you never meant them to be in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.